Welcome, everybody, to the Quarter Quest Comics on the Cheap podcast, a bi-weekly discussion about diving through the dirt bins and pulling out gold. All right, welcome back to uh, Quarter Quest, the Comics on the Cheap podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Ryan, if you <laughs> want to go first, you have the uh, oldest, oldest. All right, so I have Marvel superheroes featuring Hulk and Submariner. Um... This came out, or issue number 53, came out in 1975. So the Hulk story was done by Stan Lee and Marie Severin. And the inker was Herb Trumpy. And letterer was Artie Schmick, or Smick. And then the Prince Namor story was done by Roy Thomas and Warner Roth. Inked by Dan Atkins and lettered by Artie Smick. I think this is really cool because it is a reprint of original stuff, but this still feels very old. <laughs> <laughs> um, typical Hulk story somebody convinces him to uh, that they're doing the greater good and that they're his friend and it pisses off General Russ and he ends up in a chamber with uh, Betty Ross and was knocked out with gas and is just Hulk smash and General Ross running around yelling a lot um the Prince Namor story. Okay. I love the 90s Prince Namor. That was probably one of the first comics I really, really got into. Thought it was great. Done by John By uh, Byron. I read this and it was boring as hell. It's the characters around him that make it, and they had no characters in this Prince Namor story. Um it is just for a sea creature is awfully dry so there's that um what I liked about it was like I mentioned it's cool that I got a reprint of original stuff from it was from uh, I think it was like Tales to Astonish or something like that yeah, if I remember right. And um, I thought that, you know, it was kind of cool. But at the same time, the price tag on it still says 25 cents. You know, it's like they did a reprint of something that was way old. And to us nowadays, 25 cents seems like a bargain. But the cover price was 25 cents for a reprint. So I really like that. What I disliked, Namor. <laughs> It just, it was very hard to read. Very, very hard to read. So that's what I had. Nice. And what's great is, like, Marvel doesn't do, like, can't do those anymore because they have graphic novels, they have, like, other ways of yeah. producing them. And the good thing was, like, with uh, Classic X-Men and Marvel Tales and Marvel 2 and, you know, uh, Marvel Super Action and stuff like that. Right. was a way for them to let people, like, read the, the issues that they couldn't find anymore. That was really cool. Yeah, and comic shops weren't available everywhere to find that stuff, so it was a way for the kids to get it in their hands. Yeah. Dropping in on issue 24 of Star Slayers, the uh, the log of the Jolly Roger. Issue 24, never read any one before this, uh, dropped into this. It was okay. Um, let's say, let's just go from the beginning. Uh, John Astrander, writer, Tim Truman, continuity, which is weird because who does continuity anymore? Um... Hilary Barda was the pencils. Mark Nelson was the inks. 
So, this is a futuristic pirate tale, kind of in the vein of Captain Harlock. So, they're in a ship, they're traveling through space, they come out of hyperdrive, and they're sitting on, in front of Earth, circa like 1938. And they're looking down and they see China, and they're like, oh, yeah, no. We, do we just need to sit here, let our engines cool down, let our stuff recalibrate so we can figure out how to get back to where we were in time? And so they start looking at the Earth and they're like, man, this is awesome, you know, before it was destroyed, and before I destroyed it, like one of the captains says. And uh, they're looking at it and they're like, oh, this was the time where a lot of adventurers would go down in China. It was like very open to exploration and plundering by outsiders. And two of the guys on the ship are like, oh, really? And they, they just run off and they... They take a ship, and uh, it's hard to know because it's issue 24, and I don't know the characters. Only one guy looks like he's the captain, but then there's another woman that looks like she could be the captain. Who's the captain here? I don't know. Um, so they go down there. They get captured by um, by natives, Chinese, right? Um, they <laughs> uh, they they send down a group to go and retrieve them before they step on a bug and change the entire world or the history, you know, the old butterfly effect. And they find the ship and they get captured too and they get taken to a white guy by the name of Justice Kronk and his companion Burgundy Swan. And so you have to think of like, okay, this guy is very Harry Mutt from Star Trek. Right? He's just this fat like kind of lazy dude he's got a hot girl next to him and he's running the, the show right um, long story short they the pseudo I don't know the other pirate captain comes down and she's intimidate or imitating somebody that they used to fight against how she knows this I have no idea because it's not even brought up because this isn't even their time. They're from someplace else, right? So how do they know that uh, Justice Kronk fought these people before? No idea. So she rescues them. They take off. Story's over. Right. Um, even in other reviews, they're like, this is probably the worst part of the entire steri- like series. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, this is, this is a, a tribute to Terry and the Pirates. Which was like, this wasn't even, you know, they're, they're doing this mission and then all of a sudden they're back in time and then they, they go back after this. So this was really not even needed. So it's like a one-off. Right. Right. Um, filler. <laughs> so what's cool, like, the, the art is amazing. The story is pretty cool, even though... <sighs> it's like, remember the old Doc Savage radio play that we used to we listen to? And they had the, the Japanese mm-hmm. on there, and they're like, oh, catch me long time. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a robot that acts just like that in this. Like, he goes, he changes his, usually he talks with, like, some kind of, like, Boston accent. But when he goes back in time, he adopts a very racist Chinese accent, and he wears the rice so, uh, farming hat. They, they, they don't call him Chinaman? No, not they, like Shang, they, Shang-Chi. They didn't. Uh, they didn't exactly say anything like that. But uh, let's see where. Let me get one of the 
one of his books. Shoot, Miss Pitt! Over next ledge! Oh my god. And yeah, and just uh, you betchy Miss Pitt. Stuff like Surprised that. you made it all the way through it. Other than that, <laughs> book is solid, but damn is it racist. Oh my god. But that was something that wasn't thought of when these books were made, though. But it's like 1985. Yeah, right? we, we should have been more enlightened at that point. Uh, and that's understand. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but it's like I can see this as being like 1950. Uh, yeah, but 1985. I mean, yeah, we still had short round. You know, <laughs> no time for love, Doctor no Jones. Doctor Jones. Um, but that's a lot of those 80s books because I'm I'm reading one called Robo Hunter right now and Sam Slade Sam Slade uh, Robo yeah. yeah and there's an Asian gentleman that has the whole me love you long time come to think of it that was a first comic too maybe it's just first maybe it was <laughs> maybe I, I want to read the rest of them I don't know about because the first appearance of Rocketeer is in the first couple issues of this really so I've got a few issues but I think they're a little bit later I think it's like one through four Mm. so those will be impossible to track down alright so when we were at our last comic con where we buy all those comics I picked up uh, Citizen Kang part four it was I can't remember whose comic book it was um and I realized that it was part four. So I'd recently gone back and gotten my Mar- I reactivated my Marvel Unlimited. And I went and I decided to read the first issue, which was Captain America Annual number 11 from 1992. Uh, the writer was Roy Thomas. The penciler was Larry Alexander. Uh, the inker was Catherine Bollinger. Letterer was Steve... Dutro, and the colorists were Max Kirk Shale and John Kellis. I can't read my own handwriting. Must have wrote this pretty fast. So, the plot of the story is the vision goes missing in Timely, Wisconsin. Cap goes to investigate. He realizes that Timely, Wisconsin is not in the current timeline, but in the very distant past. As if you know your comics, you know that Timely is the town where the Vision was created. And Cap goes to the manufacturing plant um, where he was created, and he falls through a portal and is sent back to what seems to be ancient Greece, where he runs into the Eternal Gilgamesh, but he does not know he is an Eternal and is worried about dying. They cross the river of the de- of death to find an elder named. Utna Utna Pishtim who has the secret to immortality that was basically the whole thing Cap helps Gilgamesh fight off a sea monster Cap helps Gilgamesh do this Cap helps Gilgamesh do that so uh, the things I liked uh, Roy Thomas's writing uh grabbed me right away it wasn't like boring it wasn't like a long setup for it um and it kept me interested really liked the artwork 
didn't look uh, like what later 90s Marvel would look like. It, it was just before they all went to that weird... Rob Liefeld style? Ry- Rob Liefeld style. <laughs> um, the things I didn't like, it wasn't long enough. Uh, it was such a quick read that it felt like it abruptly ended even though it was 26 pages and Kang doesn't show up until the end that's the other thing I didn't like so uh, it kept me interested and I'm actually going to go back and read the the other three it goes from like Cap to Thor to Fantastic Four and then the one I bought which like Avengers so it was an annual crossover? Yeah, it was an annual crossover, and it ends in Avengers. Annual. So, it's pretty good. When the character shows up on the last page, it's typically because they're not supposed to be in that story to begin with, and they're like, Yeah. No, oh, we need to add this for the crossover? He shows up. Okay, we're done. Alright, here's <laughs> Kang. He's got, the, he's got the vision captured. <laughs> Tune in to Thor number 11, or whatever. Nice. They so, still do that with TV too. Yeah. Like, oh shit, <laughs> we gotta we gotta bring this character in. The story's called Citizen Kang. I guess we should put Kang in somewhere. Age of Ultron. Ultron's not in it. Nope. His robots are. Right. He's in it for like one panel. Oh, I was actually thinking of Citizen Kang. Whenever he yells Rosebud. Yeah. Wondering if Kang does that at any point during the series. You'll have to let us know. I will. To be continued. To be continued. <laughs> So what would uh, Kang's sled be then? From his childhood. (laughs) I was pretty excited because the new baddie in the Marvel Universe is Kang. Yeah. So what's funny is like when we're watching um, Loki and uh, everybody's like, it's Mephisto. It's like they just hired a guy to play Kang and they're talking about the time variant. Okay. So here's the thing. (laughs) Here's the thing. I didn't think it was Mephisto. Yeah. But I didn't realize it was Kang. Yeah. Until, like, the last episode of Loki. I was like, it, like, clicked, and I'm like, oh shit, this is Kang. Yeah. I was like, it's Kang, guys. Everybody's just like, it's Mephisto. It's like, no, it's not. We're going back <laughs> to the Wanda- to WandaVision thing where it's uh, everything was Mephisto. Yep. Awesome. Alright, so, question, guys. Uh oh. When we were digging through these bins of gold, what is it that triggers you to get into a new series? Is it the art? Is it a writer that you like, Mike Grell, something like that? Is it because it's some weird animal carrying a crossbow? What is it? (laughs) Well, uh, this last one we were at, uh, I got the first five issues of Green Lantern Corps. It's because... I don't have any books with Kyle or Guy, so I was like, I want some books with Kyle. Something that has Kyle in it, or Kyle in it, mm-hmm. or fuck, Kyle and Kyle in it, you know? Kyle and Guy, yes. Um, Guy. So, I was like, okay, that, that, that was enough for me to get it. The other thing is, is like, brought up before we started... I look for Alpha Flight and X-Men and Avengers West Coast. Avengers West Coast. 
because I'm too cheap to go into the store and just pay <laughs> what they want for them. So, in some of those, uh, I started. Uh, there's one I just started another run of, and the Alpha. It's actually Alpha Flight. Like the first like five or six books are now worth. You can't get them for under ten dollars on my comic shop, which is crazy because working at the shop when we were going through that stuff ten years ago. Nobody buys Alpha Flight. Let's keep one single run, get rid of the back issues. Because nobody was doing anything with it. And then, boom. I'm like, well, I'm glad I picked the... It's like the first appearance of Vision, White Vision, in West Coast Avengers. I bought that for a dollar when we went to the con up in Minnesota. I bought it for a dollar. And now it's... Yep. Sometimes you luck in. I lucked in. So, how about you, Nick? What do I look? Uh, boobs. Uh, no, <laughs> boobs. Uh, well, tits and ass. What? Nope, not anymore. Not in here, <laughs> not in here anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I look for books that um, remind me of books I read as a kid. Um, if it is funny animals, then it's funny animals. If it's uh, if I'm if I'm in a mood, like I'll. Sword and Sorcery, like D&D, I'll pick up some stuff like that. If, I, if I'm trying to run a game for Valiant, I'll start picking up Valiant books. If I, um, if I was going to run Super Babes, then I'd pick up like a whole bunch of like Femforms, but now I just want to get rid of all those. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. I think it's like what, what strikes me at the time. Like... Um, Sometimes it'll just be like, okay, I can't find anything, but there's a whole run of Ralph Snart. Fuck it, I'll take a Ralph Snart, or all the uh, the Dark Star or Dark Stars, yep. like that. I think sometimes it's the covers too. It's got yeah. a cool cover. I want to I want to see if it matches the, yeah. the you know the inside matches. Sometimes no, no. Sinscope. <laughs> Sin. <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's whatever strikes me at the time. Like, oh, that's cool. Like, I haven't read that one. I kind of wanted to read it. Or I'll be reading a review online about something and I'll see it. Or that, uh, that page on Facebook that does all the uh, indie stuff in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be like, oh, that looks awesome. I didn't right. know about that. I'll pick that up. I, I just finished reading uh, Trade of Thor, Walt Simonson's run. And then, surprisingly, there wasn't, like I thought, a lot of thou and thee and the, like the early Thors, right. you know. So it was like, it was nice not, I, I actually got into the character. So, and Heimdall isn't black, who knew? What? That was probably the most lily white book I've ever read in my life. Yeah, Beta Ray Bill, he's uh, orange. There you go. That was the best one out of all of that, was the Beta Ray Bill story. How about you, Ryan? What do you look for? Um, anything that ties to Green Lantern, obviously. Uh, I'll get on kicks, like Nick was talking about. 
so like right now I'm trying to pursue all the cross-gen books. So, and you can't just find those anywhere anymore. Um, I do a lot of independent stuff just for something different. I'm, I get plenty of superheroes in my normal reads. So I try yeah. to find independent stuff. Um, first comics. Um, yeah. Boy, I'm trying to... Is it Eclipse? Yeah, Eclipse Comics. Comico. Comico, yeah. Some of that stuff that's just not out there anymore. Since I work at a comic shop, I kind of know what... And we've got a massive collection. So I, if we don't have it in the Omaha area, then I know the other stores probably don't have it. Um, so I look for stuff that I don't have readily available to me on the day-to-day. Cool. Awesome. So uh, I think we're going to take some time off for the holidays because we all need to spend some time with our families. And some be, people need really sleep. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Stop being so goddamn grumpy all the time. Yeah. Um, got my head bit off before we started. <laughs> no, I, I need to, I need to take a break from editing and doing some stuff because, uh, yeah, this is the worst time of year for my job. So uh, I work nights, so this is not going to work for me. So... Uh, so, all right, guys, uh, we'll see you guys probably at the end of, or the beginning of next year. So, awesome. Cool. All right. It's been Ryan. Kirk. And Nick. See ya. See ya. Come in, come in. If it's men's hat you're looking for, Harry the Hat is where it's at. What can I do for you? I'm Harry. Oh, hi. I want to buy a hat for my boyfriend. Aha! You came to the right place. What size? About seven and a half, I think. Got just the thing. Look at this beauty. Bright and snappy. Make you both happy. Well, Peter is on the conservative side. I think this is a little too far out. Not another word. I know just what you want. Just take a look at this magnificent display over here. We interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin. In a bold daylight holdup, the Second National Bank was robbed by a thief with a flair for the fantastic. Dressed like Robin Hood, the bandit got away with a million dollars in less than 20 minutes. A million dollars for 20 minutes' work? In my store, it would take me 20 years to make half that. In a flamboyant farewell gesture, he tossed a feather from his hat to a girl teller as he left. Sounds romantic. I don't know. Stuff like that could give hats a bad name. Meanwhile, at police headquarters... Everybody wants in on showbiz. First is that clown running around dressed up like Paul Revere. Yeah, only Paul Revere was too busy holding on to his horse to be holding on to the loot from three banks. And then that fugitive from the three musketeers calling himself D'Artagnan, ripping off a million-dollar Rembrandt at the museum. The commissioner's been on my back ever since. And now, Robin Hood, like out of an old Errol Flynn movie. Yeah, with all these dingalings running loose, all I need is for that creep Spider-Man to pull one of his capers, and I'll be climbing the walls for sure. Hi, Captain. Uh, what's with Spider-Man? Trouble again? Oh, it's you, Parker. The little man with the big ears. How'd you get away from your babysitter? Only doing my job, Captain. Uh, anything new in the Robin Hood heist? Not a thing. No fingerprints, no weapon, no nothing. Just this feather. Hmm, might as well get a picture of it. Anything to keep old Jameson quiet. Hmm, a feather from a Robin Hood hat, a fancy Three Musketeer hat, and the Paul Revere Yankee Doodle bit. Hmm. Looks to me like the work of one man, a sort of mad hatter of Manhattan. 
Uh, any theories, Captain? We're working on it, Sonny. We're working on it. Now, why don't you pick up your hat and your marbles and run along like a good little boy? I got work to do. Okay, okay. Don't go away mad. Hey, Mulligan! I want a 24-hour guard put on the Queen Britannia when she docks on Friday. She's carrying the Caldorian crown jewels worth 15 million bucks, and ain't nobody gonna get near that ship or we'll all go back to pounding pavements. 15 million. Just the kind of bait a brilliant kook like this Mad Hatter would go for. Captain, you're gonna get some help from Spider-Man whether you like it or not. It is 12 o'clock noon on Friday, three days later. The Queen Britannia has arrived safely at the dock. Okay, Mulligan. Got your men stationed? Yes, sir, Captain. 24 of New York's finest. It would take a whole army to get by us. And with me on the job personally, this is one time I don't have to worry about any... Uh-oh. Now what? The jewels! He's got the jewels! Stop him! Stop him! Stop him! Stop him! Captain, look! Do you see what I see? Where? Way up there, on the prow of the ship. It's a pirate. It's... Captain Kidd! Oh, no! Here we go again! <laughs> Thanks for the reception, committee gentlemen. Just like the old days on the Spanish main. But don't worry about the jewels. Captain Kidd will take very good care of them. You fool! You can't get away with this! On the contrary, my dear captain, I am getting away. Fifteen men on the dead man's chest. Yo-ho-ho! And a bottle of rum. Look at that! He took a running start. And he's swinging on that rope. And now, I don't believe it. He's practically flying! It's impossible! I know it's impossible, but he's doing it. All the way from the ship to that warehouse roof. He's getting away. He's disappeared. Adios, amigos! <laughs> the biggest and boldest robbery in the history of New York, and a one-man job at that. Now to get back to the... Congratulations, old boy! Huh? Spider-Man, what are you doing here? Hate to spoil the fun, chum, but enough is enough, and you're too much. Now, take it easy, Spider-Man, take it easy. Maybe we can make a deal. We've got a lot in common, you and I. No deal, Harry. So, you know who I am. Tell me, how did you figure it out? A feather in the hat my young friend Peter Parker was wearing gave me the first tip-off, and I've been close on your heels ever since. So, no deal? No deal. Then how about some cold steak? A sword, huh? Harry the Hat, the Mad Hatter of Manhattan, a swashbuckling romantic to the last. Hate to do this to you, Spider-Man, but I gave you a chance. And as Captain Kidd might have said, get the point! Aren't you the cut-up, Harry? Be careful, though, you might cut yourself with that toy. That was a close shave, as the man said to the barber. Good moving, Spider-Man. Oh, what a team we could make, you and I. Still no deal, Harry. Bobby, what a pity. Then try this. My arm. Numb. You've got some kind of ray gun built into that sword. Took me by surprise. And this. Now my leg. It seems I underestimated you. Captain Kidd doesn't kid around. And now, Spider-Man, because you know too much, regretfully I've got to finish you off. Oops! You took the sword right out of my hand! Yep, Spider-Man doesn't fool around either. And now for the webhead's famous triple twist over the head, down the hatch, wrapper-upper! Oh, look what you did to my beautiful Captain Kid Pirate Hat! <laughs> How about that? Here he is, tied up in knots like a pretzel, ready to be handed over to the gendarmes, and all he worries about is his hat. Do me one last favor, Spider-Man. Sure, what is it? Take this helmet off my head. Helmet? 
Oh, yeah. It fits so close to your head, I didn't even notice it. Just thought you were kind of bald. There you are. Whew. Thanks. So what does it do? By way of an electromagnetic impulse accelerator connected to the brain, it gave me the power to think clearer, run faster, jump higher, and hit harder than anyone alive. Till I met you. Now all it gives me is a headache. Well, cheer up, old friend. You were good for a bunch of laughs, and you never really did hurt anyone. So, after a year or two in the Hoosgau, you can go back to being just plain Harry the Hat. <laughs> 